This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by PayPal. These days, choices are everywhere. Like, for instance, the milk in your coffee. Would you like it from a cow? A nut? A tree? Everyone wants options. And now your customers have a new option in the way they pay. With PayPal in person. Just generate your unique QR code in the PayPal app for them to scan. And start accepting PayPal in person today. Learn more at paypal.com slash US slash get QR code. Hello and welcome to episode 193 of the Washed Up Emo podcast. I am Tom Mullen from washedupemo.com. Today, we welcome singer, songwriter, Brian Fallon. You may also know him from Gaslight Anthem, The Horrible Crows, and many other bands. Brian and I caught up to chat about him finding music, his love of emo, and influences that many may not realize. From the Gloria record, Planes Was Taken for Stars, Mineral, Sunny Day Real Estate, and I Hate Myself. He's all shaped his writing from his time in the band and his current solo career. It was an absolute pleasure to talk to Brian about his life in music so far, and there's plenty more ahead that will always include some influences from our scene, both old and new. Thank you to the Patreon supporters out there. You make this happen. It makes me easy to feel good about spending time on a Sunday editing for hours. But it's for you guys, so thank you to the Patreon supporters. And we're coming up on 10 years, so if you want to support, patreon.com slash washedupemo. This is episode 193 of the Washed Up Emo podcast with Brian Fallon. Um, from the from Twitter, actually, uh, Twitter is is the worst place it in is. the world, except for when you find things you like. So, what had happened, sort of, in a weird way, is um, like I follow like maybe stealthily a lot of like emo chattery people. So mm-hmm. people who like know a lot about that music, I follow, and then you kind of popped up through them, and like, and I saw. That you you were there, so I was like, "Oh, podcast man!" I was like, "All right, cool. Let me let me follow this too." You know? Oh, cool. Um, yeah, it's been really fun. I feel like the old man in the podcast. I've been doing it for uh, you know almost ten years. Um, Whoa, really? Yeah, I've uh, hundred and seventy cool. plus episodes. It's crazy. That's good. You've been doing it for a long time. That's really cool. Yeah, it's fun. I'm super excited that you found of the podcast and i think there's a lot of people that um listen to this and and like it and love it when you know bands outside of the spectrum but also they don't realize we're in it and part of it and you were you were right in it (laughs) i was in like the first really i didn't know it was the first wave of it but because i didn't know there'd be a second wave but uh 
like yeah i was like these are bands that like my high school or right out of high school bands played with and like you know some of them we booked and like this is like the whole this was like the thing this is like our nirvana you know because yeah. like we i guess i mean i guess like nirvana was our nirvana too but but i was 11 so like how much could i have really cared but right you know but when i was 18 and 17 and in 1997 98 99 and 2000 that was like the biggest what do they say psychology that like that impacts you something like it's the biggest thing or like that era so that was like that was all these records you know and i think that time period was also before the internet took hold yes there was internet there was geocities and things like that but it wasn't it there was (laughs) message boards there was make out club but it wasn't this constant and i feel like there was this uh, there was still a discovery and a uh, you 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 had to work at it. You needed to file oh. through the distro, big time. The, and the distros, the, those sheets that they would give whenever you ordered a record, that was like that was the bible. That's how yeah. you figured out what bands you know, and you just had to try it most of the time. I always make fun of Norm from Texas. I told him like, dude, I ordered your record from Rev. I listened to it and I thought it sucked. <laughs> And really? Because, because when you first listen to something like you, I was bummed. I was like, I don't get this. And then six okay. months later, I got it. Yeah. And it was, <laughs> but it was that leap. I was like, I got to get this. And then you remember what you're like, bo- you're like bummed. You're like, man, I spent all this money. <laughs> yeah. That happened to me a few times. I think there was like a couple bands that, that, that happened where later on, um, I was like, wow, actually that happened to me with mineral. Really? And, yeah, because I was big on Sunny Day first. And I was kind of like, nah, I was like, this band's just copying what Sunny Day's doing. <laughs> and then like, but then I heard the the thing that turned me around on Mineral is the Gloria record, which yes. I kind of, I guess it's a side project. So A Lull in Traffic, when I heard that, I was like, whoa, this is awesome. And my friend's like, dude, this is Mineral. This is the guy from Mineral. You hate that band. I'm like, no, 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 wait, wait, let me go back. So then I went back to Mineral and then I was like, this is awesome. So that was kind of a a little bridge there for me too. That is great. Yeah. I mean, that the, I I joked when I interviewed Chris, uh, Mineral wasn't back together. This was 2012, 2013. So before, you know, they did their little reunion and he was saying in the podcast, like, oh, Gloria Record will probably be, you know, the next thing and Mineral's never going to get back together. So it's just funny how, uh, you know, the those bands kind of interweave and you realize, wait a minute, that's connected to that. That's connected to that. And yes, we can go on Wikipedia all day, but you're right. It was like you thumbing through that distro or looking through the very catalog and just reading something and then taking a leap of faith. Yeah, it it really was a lot of that. And I think, um, and and word of mouth too is a big one. Like, you know, going and having New Brunswick kind of close to, let me see though. Like when I was in, in that age, I had moved from, I grew up in like Red Bank by the shore in Mm -hmm. New Jersey. And then my parents moved me way out west, almost by Pennsylvania, into this town called Hackettstown, which was like, uh, like Centenary College is the biggest thing in that town, mm-hmm. which is not a big thing. Uh, and their, I think their claim to fame is that Deborah Harry might have went there, maybe, um, from Blondie. <laughs> so it's not a big town. Like Eminem Mars Factory is there where they make M and M's, 
Um, but like, there's nothing else. So we were learning about these records, but no, like going to shows was a little bit a stretch because we didn't have a car quite yet mm-hmm. unless someone else could borrow one. So, but once we had the car going flyers, we would just see flyers. There was, so we'd have the little inserts from the records, but then we would look at all the bands we liked and we would be like, okay, well, what bands are they playing with on the flyers? And then they were, you know, all around New Brunswick and there would just be flyers pasted to everything. And you would see like, okay, you know, Mineral is playing with, you know, June of 44. Like, okay, who's that? You know, what do they sound like? And, you know, and, and what other bands are they playing with? And that's how it would sort of spiderweb out. How were you, f- so it was it word of mouth, was there a record store that you were finding out about stuff? Whether, was there a, um, was there a friend in school? No, the, the, well, yeah, yeah. There was friends um, in school, but we were just probably, I guess like we were in our senior year. There was, um, my friend Tom, he knew a lot about music and he, he was sort of like, he, he got big into like ska music when it first came out and then like kind of went into from ska to, he jumped over to like bad brains and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my other friend, Chris, he, he really, th- this kid, Chris was the, Chris Shan was his name. He, he really was dialed in with a lot of the bands and I'm not really sure how, but he seemed to just know. He was like, I've got all these CDs, check this out, check this out, borrow this. You know, he, he knew about everything. Like he was like, okay, Jawbreaker broke up and they're in this cool band called Jets to Brazil. It's like less punk, which like for at, at that time, like punk was not really, we had sort of gone through punk and been like, it sounds weird to say, but like we had sort of gone through it and been bored with it mm-hmm. already. Cause we had just, we, you know, we weren't into like the street punk bands and and we so we basically went through like the clash the english bands and then jawbreaker that kind of thing and and that was where our reach kind of died we didn't have like too many things so so when we found these other bands we were sort of like oh this is like i don't know cool lyrics and like more melody and it's, it's cool let's see this but he knew like they knew about everything <laughs> that's all you need that somebody i mean i had somebody outside of a show hand me you know the get up kids record and was like hey check this out it's called 4 minute mile I was like, holy oh, crap. Cool. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, those are, but then it, you know, what's Doghouse? What's, yeah. Oh, you know, the Doghouse like, 50 comp. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. I mean, the Don't Forget to Breathe comp from, you know, yeah. Crank or the Rev in flight program. Like, that was mm-hmm. the playlist. Yeah. But we can't forget, uh, you know, this is, e- what is it? The something Emo Diaries? Emo Diaries, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I had a that band a on the later. emo diaries. You did? I did. I was on seven. I don't think so. I'm a little late in the game. Seven. <laughs> yeah, I didn't get on there. I don't think I was on there at, at all. So. Maybe better, <laughs> Brian. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, there's these things that matter. There's mile markers. Some people want a Grammy. I wanted to be on the emo diaries. You know. <laughs> like, I think we, like the goal at the time was to get signed by No Idea Records. I think that was like the or Doghouse. You know. Yeah. Be like these, these are the things. <laughs> this is it. Um, what, what about the punk, you know, again, I felt that same way where I kind of got bored with it. I was like, cool. What, what's next? What's the, what's deeper? What about hardcore? And what about these bands at that time spoke to you? Why was it, why was it different to you hearing it? What was, what was the, what, what clicked? Um, I think that it sounded like 
the music that I, it sounded like classic rock, but just faster. And I was like young and ready for that. That's kind of what I wanted was, you know, like the punk bands really didn't sound like the clash didn't sound that far stretched to me from the Rolling Stones or, you know, or anything like that, just faster. And then, um, hardcore, I didn't really get too into that, that I was like a little bit, like I had an aversion to the, like the intimidation factor, I think of it. Mm -hmm. Like, when I walked in, I immediately knew I didn't fit in. And I was like, oh, I was like, I'm not tough. I'm not, I don't want to fight anybody at the shows. Like, right. I don't want to do this. So I was like, I'd, I'd been beat up enough times by then to know that it was probably not a good, like, that was not a good scene for me. So I was just like, this is very, very aggressive. I don't want to get punched in the face. So I'm going to go. Um, and, then, and, and I couldn't find, like, I couldn't find... Um, enough in the in the music like at first i was a little bit like intimidated by the whole thing um so i didn't really gravitate towards it because i couldn't find like melody either mm -hmm. so i was i was looking for like melody and i i didn't like that there there was that wasn't the primary focus so i moved kind of looking for my you know the music that that you that would speak to me and i think when i found like the sunny day was probably the first band that my friend like i was immediately like no no sunny day you know because i knew that they were like an emo quote-unquote band and then my friend we were in a band my friend chad he was the drummer and one day he just put it on in his truck he put on diary and all my friends were trying to sell me on the third record by then because this was like 99 mm -hmm. so i guess the one with the sun on the front was the f the third one yes and yeah they, they were like you got to listen to this. And I was like, nah, nah, I don't know. And then they'd be like the pink album. And I'd be like, no, this sounds bad too. Then I heard diary. Cause Chad just put it on one day and I was like, this is awesome. What's this? And he's like, dude, this is sunny day. He's like, you hate them. <laughs> and I was like, no, I don't hate them. This is great. So everyone had to trick me into listening to things. Cause I think I just sort of got like, everyone went too deep, like right away. Like, so let that be a message to anybody trying to get somebody into something. Don't give them War and Peace as the first right. novel when you're trying to get into, you know, like Tolstoy or something. Don't do that. Like, start out with, like, the cliff notes sometimes for people like me who need that. Right. So, yeah, Diary was kind of my way in. And then and then I realized, I was like, oh, boy, this is like, there's, like, poetry in this and there's lyrics that you, you have to, like, first you have to assemble what these what they are and then you have to figure out what that means. And then there's all this melody that, you know, was impossible to figure out at that time for us. How old were you then? Uh, 18, 17, 18, probably. So, so senior year. Yeah, senior year. Figuring shit out. <laughs> totally. I mean, I was still into like, there was still some punk hanging on then. Like, I still liked um, the bands that, like, I, I would put Hot Water Music more in the punk Hell yes. side. So I was still into like Howard Music, Leatherface, Avail, and the Bouncing Souls. Like those four bands, I was like in. I loved them. Nice. Um, but at the same time, I was pulling in um, all of the Jimmy World and like karate and knapsack and all this stuff that was coming in. So it it like it seemed like I had this never ending stack of cassettes that we would be trading back and forth. I love that. Uh, yeah. Avail was the first band that I took the mic from a singer to scream a song. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. I don't I, think I ever did that. <laughs> I, I took for the whatever the what's the song where they they just say rise at the end the whole time. Uh, oh, track it's two on, on Friday, I think. No, it's track two on Clone. Fuck, what's the song? Wow, 
That's what happens when I know. get old and forget. Yeah, they'd have to be in front of me in order for me to tell you. <laughs> uh, so you know, so you've you got Sunny Day. You're hearing about all these bands. You're trading tapes. Are you playing music at this point? Yeah, yourself. Yeah, uh, yeah, I was, and and we, and was that Lamire? No, that see that was a quick little jaunt. That I wasn't was just, really. This was like, before it. This was before it, yeah. Like so, that band was just like they were already established and had all their songs written, and they their I guess their singer and guitar player quit. So they were like they needed somebody to go on tour. They had a tour booked with the Lawrence Arms on their first record. So I I initially was like the Lawrence Arms. I'm like that's the guys from Broadway's. So I'm going on that tour. <laughs> so I tried out for the band and it was cool, and um. It was a big learning experience for me, like the the whole going out on a real tour and stuff like that, and like learning about being a musician. And they they taught me a lot about being a musician, but it was never my band. Like it was right. always I was always sort of on the outs playing other people's songs. So, um, like I never assimilated into the whole thing and made a record with those guys. But uh, but before that, I was doing like this band that was like. We were kind of trying to be a punk band at first, and then and then we found all these records. So we sort of tried to experiment and pull in everything, everything at once, mm-hmm. like Hot Water and Sunny Day and all this stuff. Jimmy World, actually, at the time, the Static Prevails record and all that. Sweet. So that was something that, and did you? When did you realize that you uh, could sing, or felt like, uh, oh wow, I I I can sing? That was probably when I was like. 14 i i was like i think i can do this i was like i really you know i want to do this i want to sing so when i was like 14 i tried to work on it but there was nothing going on there was nobody in a band nobody played any instruments at that time and so you didn't have anybody else to sort of bounce it off not really no i mean like a few friends sort of dabbled in like instruments but nobody really like wanted to play and i was like in lessons and you know, I wanted to do it for real. Like right. I was like, you guys, I'm like, you don't sound like Metallica overnight. I'm like, this is like, you got practice. And I don't think like anybody else really was like that into it. They were kind of into the idea of being in a band, but I don't think like, you know, it's like most people in bands, they're into the idea of being in a band, but they don't want to work at it. Right. <laughs> That's why there's not a lot of bands that make it past the initial steps. Right. The So for you, knowing that, you know, and the, these first couple bands you're in, you're experimenting, you're, I mean, I love the, the karate reference and knapsack and Jimmy, like what were you, what was, what was coming out? Did you, what did, uh, what did you think when you started to experiment with those sounds? Well, it, like the, the hot water thing was like anything fast would have been like mixtures between sunny day and, and hot water. Because like, I was like so enthralled by the idea of like, the, those guys just yelling and not really having good voices and sounding like crazy. <laughs> um, and especially like I was really into the duality of the singing at both times. Like, so any band that was doing that, like hot water and that, that band, I hate myself. Yes. Like I loved that. Brian, that, like now you're, now you're, now you're getting me off. If you're going to say, I no, hate myself good, now, we're, good, now you don't have to explain yourself anymore. We're good. Yeah. It's a good <laughs> thing. Like there, that, that, that era of bands, like when they were doing things at the same time, like that was everything. And I remember we only had one song by I Hate Myself. We had that less than nothing. It was mm-hmm. on a, I don't know where my friends got it from, but they got it. 
and it was one song, but we were like, this is the greatest band ever. We know that this is the greatest band. We don't have a record, but we don't need anybody to tell us that this is the greatest band. So, you know, we started to take all these things and, and like try and figure out ways to put it in. Needless to say, you know, I couldn't really, those musicians, like in the beginning, we, we were all into experimenting. And, um, my friend Chris had the, uh, the karate, like, I guess side project that secret stars Mm -hmm. and like that band, when I heard that song, some Sinatra, I was like, Whoa, this is the other side. So, you know, I wanted the heaviness of like high water music and that kind of stuff. But then I also wanted this like quiet prettiness of like secret stars and like, you know, like, I guess, yeah, the Gloria record at that time, those bands and, and karate and like having this sort of duality in the music, and that was the thing that excited me. That's what I was trying to work on. We would have been in a band because that's crazy because that's, I think that's also stemming from Nirvana because that oh, quiet, yeah. loud, melodic, heavy, beautiful. And I, I think there's a lineage back to that, that I just connected with. And you're right. Like I loved, you know, hearing those things, but then right. I wanted karate or I wanted to hear this, but I, but I wanted both in one song. Yeah, I could hear. I could definitely hear that. I mean, I think that came. Nirvana got it from the the Pixies, right? Didn't they? Yep. Isn't that where they got it from? But it all that was like the whole thing, you know. And it really, but there was not a lot of people. There was only about like ten kids in in our little group that sort of felt like that and liked that kind of music. So it was difficult to find people to play with, especially if if as people were going to college and things right. like that. So it was a different different time and really hard to put together a band and convince people that they didn't need their own apartment and they could go on tour and sleep on their parents' couch. They didn't want to hear that at that time. Right, because I think, you know, whatever their parents were saying, go to school and get a job, right? Yeah, yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And I I wasn't hearing that. I just wasn't into it. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, nope, Uh, this is not... I was like, jobs are the worst and they will be there when you're done. If we fail at this, the job will still be there. right. Um, so from so the so finding people I mean also I think I mean I grew up in a really small town in Vermont I, there was there was no one in general so there was the same kind of thing there was those 10 kids in our school that got into it but only certain amount of them played music and one of them maybe like Jimi Hendrix too much but you sort of just accepted it because there was only so many bass players uh, <laughs> right did you what how did you, did, was, were you going to more shows now? Were you going into the city? I mean, where you were, I mean, you, you got Philly, you got the, you got DC, you got, you know, New Jersey for shows. I mean, it, it must've been, it must've been hard to like, when you started to realize there were shows everywhere, was it, was it, uh, you could only go to so many or did you just start going to everything you could? I just went to everything. Like I was at every, sh- I was at every show that there was. If there was a flyer and it was in my grasp, I would go to any show that I could. So I saw so many bands. Like, just it was the best. That was like the best thing. What for, years was you know, that? For so like late late nineties then. Yeah, that was that was ninety seven to to two thousand two thousand and and then all the way up to probably about two thousand five. Right. Like I was just seeing everything and like really going to watch all the bands play. I was way into it. We were probably some of the same shows in the city then. Um, 
if it was Coney Island Maybe. High or Brownies. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't go that often to the city only because it was so much money. Like, to get there, we'd oh, have to pay to get right. there. So, yeah, there was, like, the tolls and the trick and the, the like, the train and the right. tickets there. And then, or, you know, you're parking Hoboken or whatever. But, like, the Jersey, there was so many. Because I always, I figured out really quickly that all those bands, I would actually go and buy, like, I don't know, the East Coast Rocker or whatever. Yep. And, like, Magazine. And they would, I think that was free actually. And they would list all the shows in New York. And I got real hip to the fact that if they were playing in New York on Friday, <laughs> they're playing probably Jersey. playing in New York on Thursday oh, or, right, or right, Saturday. Right. So I was like, there's no way that they're not playing here on the tour dates because, you know, they want to keep them. I've just figured that out for some reason really quickly. And so I would just be like, cool, that's happening in New York. And then I would start looking at the venues. In, in New Jersey and see, like, well, where are they if they're here the next night? And was this, like, Court Tavern, M- Melody Bar? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, the Melody Bar, for sure. Uh, the Court Tavern I wasn't allowed in yet because was, I wasn't 21. Oh, right. Until, uh, like, uh, 2001, I was 21. They didn't X so, up? They didn't X you up to get in? No, nah, no, nah, I think <laughs> you were just not allowed in at that time. But the Melody Bar, I got in, and... um. Rutgers had a lot of Rutgers the college. They had a lot of shows. Um, there was a place called like uh, some. There was like a cafe that had bands play in, like in New Brunswick. There's a bunch of places like so you could always go see. And then there was tons of Legion Hall shows. That was like the big VFW thing. for they sure. Would all go yeah VFW Hall. So there was like Wayne Firehouse. There was like. Manville Elks, New Brunswick, there was all these places. So we were just like we didn't need venues. Yeah, there was plenty. I feel like in and I, th- and I think the the bands knew that. You know, there was always a spot um you know, you're right after or either before or after that New York day. That was that was really smart of you. Um can you do you remember uh going to the base do you, do you remember your your first basement show? Um, let me my first basement show. Ooh, I maybe, mean, it was probably maybe in one, that one you of my remember. friend's basements. <laughs> it was probably literally in like my friends just like decided to have a show and then like that would be it, you know. But um, in New Brunswick, I went to a bunch. There was a bunch in Asbury Park. Um, but yeah, I mean, I ended up in like one day the Melody Bar caught fire and like Hot Water Music and Leatherface and like uh this band called radar mercury and like i think a bunch of other like cool bands i don't remember who was on the show at the time maybe like error type 11 or something um but they were they were playing at the melody and the melody bar the wall caught fire so they couldn't have the show so they moved it to jeff rickley's house from thursday yep and uh i had no idea it was jeff rickley's house uh but we were all hanging out in his backyard and then like in the basement there's the show and that so that was awesome that's great it was crazy it was cool though to see like hot water music in a basement and leatherface in a basement can you describe that to someone that doesn't know what that means like t- talk about a basement show well it's like you go down these like stairs into a basement like literally a basement <laughs> and like maybe there's a pa but uh there's like a pa kind of you know, and then there's like they set up all their equipment in the basement. The whole floor is empty, and there's just bodies packed in there, and it's like August, so it's 
it's August in New Jersey, so it's like a hundred degrees, and everyone's just like singing to every single song, and you're just like in this like <laughs> just covered in sweat and like just singing and like with all these people and this band's blaring and they're you know I don't know if they're greatly performing on time, but they're like it's awesome though because right. they're going for it, you know, and it's like you're seeing like. I think you're maybe not catching the best representation of what like a live musical experience would be to a grown up, but that's not what we were looking for. We were looking for the emotion in the song to be visible and pal like be palpable to ourselves. And it was because it was just an explosion of like feelings. And and like you'd cry or you'd scream or whatever, and all of this stuff was happening right in front of you in a basement. And you were just like, these are the records I heard, but it's like, it might as well have been the Beatles to us, you know? Right. And it wasn't on, I mean, it wasn't on MTV. It wasn't on the radio. You could be a part of it. It didn't feel like it wasn't attainable. Right. It was definitely that. Like it definitely sort of gave, it gave the message that like anybody could do it. And then for you seeing those shows starting to, to, to go like you said you, you you didn't want a job you wanted to to do this um <laughs> while while well, that i mean w- i didn't want a job forever you know what i mean yeah 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 i had a job but i didn't want one right and so um seeing these shows starting to you know were there were there feelings that um you know, again, I mean, you were sort of in this, I mean, almost like a, you were in the middle of like a Venn diagram, you know, you've got everybody coming yeah. up from the South down from, you know, the East. It's like, you know, you were in this, I would say epicenter rather. Um, it must've been hard to keep up. It was, but like when you're 17, 18 and 19, you have endless energy and nothing to do. So it, that was the perfect time for us, you know, yeah. like, and it was great for me because like at the time I worked construction all the, so it would be like, I would seven be to at three. work at, yeah, seven o'clock and I'd be done at three. So I could go home, take a shower, be in New Brunswick by five thirty, and be the first kid in line for the show at seven and like still be home relatively early. Like the, you right. know, the show would be over by 11, be home by midnight, same thing. I love it. I did construction as well. So that was like always the the struggle. You're like looking at the show like, I hope this ends by midnight because I got to yeah. wake up in six <laughs> hours. I could be up at five. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the And then what, what were some other bands that you saw early on that we might all know or maybe there's an obscure one that you thought was, was it? Um, well, <laughs> there's a couple like I saw Planes Mistaken for Stars really early. And the the first record. I just interviewed Garrett recently. Oh, nice. Yeah. Is he cool? He's super cool. I I, I, I might send you the unedited interview. It is unreal. Because <laughs> he, okay. it's like, I told him, I was like, Garrett, you know, I have to, inter- I have to edit this. <laughs> it was yeah, funny. Sure. Anyway. I'm yeah. sure. <laughs> I mean, I didn't really know those guys at all, but like we, we, I had seen them. Um, very early on and they were they were they were really cool like just like super cool i think it was like um i want to say that the the knife in the marathon had come out so Mm -hmm. it was like both records so they were playing like the ep a lot but then they also played the first record pretty 
like they were playing like copper and stars and all that right um but like they hadn't fully transitioned into like satan's motorbike club yet you know <laughs> um which i was well in for up in them guts too i still like that stuff so i was down for the whole like i followed that man through the whole career i was like yes you know it just got weirder and weirder and i was like cool um but uh, <laughs> that band was really cool and uh i was into like that let me see what else did i see uh there was this band, like really small band, that I thought was amazing. That I think no one there. There was two New England bands. There was one band that was an instrumental band called the the Andrea Gale, named after the the boat uh, in the P- Perfect Storm. Mm-hmm. And then there was another band called Lost Pilot, and they just made a tape. And I think they were from Massachusetts or something. All the good bands were from Massachusetts, Piebald and all that. So, like you know, it was. They, they were all those were two bands that were really small but i thought were awesome oh that rules i wonder if those are out there anywhere i don't they think they're probably cassettes out there somewhere i mean it'd be cool if it was out there because i remember those bands being really good i love that there's still stuff to discover yeah that is definitely the coolest element of of all this stuff but like i mean even i mean static prevails i had on a tape it wasn't yeah. like you know, I was still like, and I, I had the tape. It was so funny because like that song, uh, 17 would come on mm-hmm. and like people would sing it and I'd be like, those are not the words. What do you, the, why are you doing that? Cause there was two versions. <laughs> There's two versions. And like I had the, yeah, like I had the <laughs> earlier version of like, they'll take you where you won't come back to me. And I thought that that, I used to like, dude, I was painting houses on the floor with that playing. I was like obsessed with that song. And, um, and then it came out and like somebody they sang some other like something about only being 17 i was like i don't know what this heresy is but like <laughs> i was like listen this is this business is not uh you know this is not for me i don't know what kind of like hack copycat band you found but this is the wrong band and Did i was like highly offended into maximum rock and roll <laughs> Yeah, oh, I probably would have if I could spell. I would have written something, but I was like, I was not having that. Um, but yeah, like I think that there was there's a lot of stuff that probably wouldn't exist if it wasn't, you know, for even matter of fact, even like uh, that that band. I hate myself. There there was nothing right. on that band until pretty recently online. That era, I think, is my next focus. Like. Indian Summer, Heroin, Moss Icon, I Hate Myself, Hoover, like those, you know, that element, I think, is undocumented and not really yeah, talked it, about it enough. Is. I don't think that many people know a, a lot about that because it was pre-everything. Like yep. that, that's, that screaming stuff was pre, that's pre-Thursday, pre-MyChem, pre-all that stuff. And it like, or maybe Thursday was like a basement band at that time when that was going on. So that right. had not broken into the world and become what it was. And there was no haircuts with that. Not that Thursday had haircuts. They didn't. But you know what I'm talking about? The bands after that, that did all the screaming and they had like the die thing with the like. Uh, yeah. Well, we're going to get to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it'd be like dyed hair and then like totally. streak through no, it. But yeah. The actual but that wasn't this. This like, was like. <laughs> It's true. It sounded like their voices are going to break too. I mean, the way that they were yeah. screaming their heads off like that. But I mean, it worked. And there was always like one one person who screamed and one who sang. Right. So, but that it was cool though. That not a lot of people, Brian. Like when I talk about these things, like I think 
they, a lot of them are into it, but it's almost like not deep. And I think you've referenced some that are like really deep in that time period and those bands. I just, I just, it's just not mentioned enough. And I was into it though, really into it, you know? And that discovery part too, like you said, you could only find one song. <laughs> right. It was, it was hard. I mean, there was like a couple record stores that like, the one in Red Bank, Jack's didn't really have anything. Like they had like, you were better off finding like a Guns N' Roses import from Japan <laughs> than, you know, like, which, which was cool. Right. But like, you know, you would not find like, uh, okay. So like when I got the, when I got the, the that Doghouse 50 comp, it had a, a Chamberlain song that was not, I don't know if it was split lip or not yet. I think it was Chamberlain at right. that time. But okay, so the split lip record, when I discovered that they had been another band, mm -hmm. which I don't know how I found that out, um, that th like that took me forever to get that record. Like I remember having to multiple times order it and then people being like, nah, it's out of print. Sorry. Wow. It took a lot of a lot of effort living where I was living trying to get these records. I used to call the place. Like I would just call the label and be like, yo, do you have this? Matter of fact, I think I called Doghouse and ordered like 10 CDs or whatever. And like they sent me like some shirts and stuff. It was cool. <laughs> I definitely called Crank asking them for the correct pronunciation of the Gloria record or the Gloria record. I definitely called yeah. and asked. I was like, I have a radio show in college. I'm just wondering if I need to pronounce their band. And the guy, yeah. <laughs> Paul, who I talk to a lot now, remembers that phone call. Really? Yeah. He's like, I remember you calling. <laughs> That's so crazy. I mean, things were different then. Like, I, I remember, like, my my stupid band kind of, like, that I was telling you about, being, like, look, trying to figure out our sound. Like, I, I found out that Howarder Music was playing at Maxwell's. And, like, I just called up. They were It was Saves the Day, Howarder Music, and then this other band, that band Radar Mercury, I think. And I called up Eva Feta from Feta Booking on the, because the number was on the back. I did, yeah. She didn't know me. I called her from my house phone. And I was like... <laughs> And I'm like, yo, I want to book Hot Water Music. She's like, I don't think I can let you book them. And I was like, okay. I'm like, well, I got a VFW hall. She's like, I don't think you, that's going to work. Like, they get $1,000 or whatever. And I was like, well, I got a band. Can we play with them? And she was like, yeah. Where do you live? And I was like, New Jersey. She's like, cool. They're playing at Maxwell's on this date. I'll put you, in, I'll put you on the show. And I was like, what? <laughs> it was that simple. You and I was probably like, lost your mind when you hung up the phone. Dude, lost my mind. <laughs> like, it practically set the house on fire. I was just like, I ran, told everybody, was like, this is the show. And no one cared. You know, no one no, cared. like, we played and no one cared. We were terrible. Terrible band. <laughs> you have to get through that, Brian. That's okay. Yeah, well, I mean, I didn't care. I was like, I got a free ticket to see Hot Water Music. Exactly. I I remember so seeing Eva them at Mac cool, Rock. So thank you, Eva. Yeah, thanks, Eva. Um, yeah. I remember seeing them at Mac Rock, and I think Blacktop Cadence played the same show. Like it was kind of like a back oh, really? to back. And I just went yeah. to the merch booth and I was like, I need everything. Just give me yeah. one of everything. And I bought everything. Oh, that they Blacktop had. Cadence was great. <laughs> I thought Blacktop Cadence was like, I thought that was better than Hot Water when I heard it. I was like, this is great. There's some good songs. It was songs. just so good. And radio songs too. Think of some of those were released as like singles. 
Well, they were a little long, though, seven minutes and all that. <laughs> right. Well, you know, you're going to have the radio guy yell at you to edit it. Yeah. But it was, it, I don't know. There, there was, like, big songs there. You could see kind of, like, you could see where they got from there to caution, you know? Yes. Like, it was sort of showing itself then. Do you so think that was that, cool, though. Do you think that there was, because there wasn't, yes, there was the zines and radio and there was media and we felt that there was a lot, but obviously we didn't realize it was going to be inundated in 24-7 like it is now. Do you think that there was more time for a band to cultivate, or is it the same amount of work as it was before? Like, it took three records for a band to maybe get, and maybe now it's like one and done. Oh, 100%. There is no time. Like, even I, like, I have what people would call an established career, you know, like, but every time I'm trying to, like, I think so greatly and it causes me such anxiety. Anytime I want to tra- change something and, like, maybe, like, experiment. And there's some things I've definitely thrown away because there's no time. You have to have it fully, especially with, like, you know, once you're out there now, like, literally all of the biggest magazines can just, like, comment on what you're doing. And, and they, they sort of, unless you're a brand new band you don't really get that time to develop like you used to. Like, look at what's going on with, like, the 1975, for example. Now, I am not a fan. I do not like the band. Um, But they had a thing, and now they've sort of made a a left turn, I guess, with their new record, and everyone's, like, hating on it, Um, which is fine. But the the, the thing I'm trying to point out is that's only their third record, I think. I think it's their third record. Right. Like... That's not a lot. Like Jimmy World on third record, like nobody really, I don't know if they cared at Clarity, did they? A little bit. I mean, definitely. A little I was bit. Actually, a little bit. I was actually watching some footage that No Knife found that they sent me of a 99 No tour. Knife. Wow. <laughs> cool. So they found <laughs> about 20 mini DV tapes from a 99 tour that they did with Jimmy Eat World. And I'm, I'm digitizing them now. And I'm quickly going oh, through cool. them. And I'm watching some of the performances. And they're bobbing their head to Lucky Denver Mint. But like they're playing Sweetness. And there's like two yeah. kids that are like, so I'm like, it wasn't popping off. Yes, yeah. that we got to bleed. But what if, what if you know, what if Craig Aronson, their A and R guy, like, what if they didn't give him that next, you know, push for even after Static? I mean, what? Uh, think of, think of now they release Static on a major label. They're done. Yeah, that's true. You oh, wouldn't have gotten totally, clarity. Totally done. So it's just, I'm sure their deal had their second record, and I'm sure they got it. Whatever the, you know, the business stuff was, but that. You talked about that, like the time, like you're right. That's the, that's 1970. That's Maddie's third record. Yeah. So it's, 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 there's not a lot of time for development. Not at all. But you can still see it in like these bands like, uh, Foxing and, and, you know, this, uh, like the world is a beautiful place. These bands that are coming around the second wave of like this kind of sound, like they're, they, you can see them, they're, I feel like they're still under the radar enough to where they're getting the chance to develop a little bit, you know? Like, I remember everyone hating on, like, the traditional Dear You move, and everyone hated on it, but not me and my friends. Like, me and the close little group, we were all like, what's this? Because we didn't have 24-hour revenge therapy. We didn't have, like, any of that. Right. We were just, like, Dear You was our first Jawbreaker record. So we were like, this is awesome, you know? And... I don't know that that kind of maybe 
opened our eyes, but we were into weird bands and coming from a small town, we had no, there was no preconceived notion of what these bands should be. Right. That, that's the thing I've mentioned, Brian, like the unknown, like I didn't have any baggage. I listened yes. to it, the cover, I fucking looked at the liner notes. I saw that they think Madball and, you know, Jimmy World, like what's going on? What, what does that mean? But it's, it was like, I, uh, I wish uh, I had like a clean slate when I got a band. Like, it's almost like I wish there was like some reset my brain could do to put me back. Yeah. And I'm not saying just because I was a teenager. I think of that even in my early days in New York City. Like, I still didn't, you know, you, what's this second band before? What are they about? Like, oh, I don't know. They're called the Liars. Like, all right, I guess I'll stay. You know, and then yeah. it's, it, I like, I guess uh, that still happens and we're just too old. But I, I, I liked not knowing. <laughs> yeah, it's no, it's good. It's good to not know. And I think it's good to have that sort of just like. I'm taking this. I remember like I'd close my eyes and like push play on the CD player and be like, I don't know what this is going to be, but I hope it's cool. Right. <laughs> so, like that doesn't really happen anymore with like this instant thing, which is fine, I guess, you know, but you're that, like, it's not me. I feel like I'm not missing out. I feel like, like now you're now the people consuming music are, are missing out because you're not getting that. You're not getting that search. I mean, I guess there is the, the, there is a search, but it's not like it's so immediate that it's not. You don't have enough invested in it to really want to like it, to go back to it the eighth time to be like, I hate this. But then like you listen to it the 20th time and you're like, oh, wait, this is pretty good. Like, I don't think I like again, back to the text is the reason I think I would have been on. I, 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 it would have been stuck in my browse history on Chrome and I wouldn't have gone back to it. But because course, it was that, sitting yeah. on my stack of only 10 CDs that I could afford, listening on my mono speaker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For time and time again, over and over again. And there's a hundred bands that were like that. Yeah, you wouldn't have ever picked it up again. You'd just been like, whatever. Right. But now it's, I don't know, I feel like more is at stake then. What, um, what having punk support early on for gaslight but then also getting approval from the quote-unquote indie world what was yeah. that what did that feel like well that kind of just felt like us like that i didn't really i wasn't sure you know like when that came early i was just like this is cool i was like the punks you know like the punks like us but the indie crowd was really where we were more from you know, right. like we, we, we were more invested in having those people sort of like get us and, and know that we were like, we were trying to just basically do that thing. But we were also into at the same time as I was into it, like, you know, all those bands like, like karate and everything. I was into, you know, Bruce Springsteen and Bob Dylan too. Yep. And I wanted to like put it all together, like with the clash and everything. Like that was always my, my thing is like, I, I, I wanted to mix everything together. Cause I wanted to do it all. I didn't want to have like one band that sounds like karate and one band that sounds like this and that. I dig that. Yeah. I definitely wouldn't have been able to write the lyrics that I wrote it, like, especially on those early records without having those, those bands being like, I remember specifically sitting there and listening to like planes mistaken for stars and then like going and writing like the first couple gaslight songs and being like, okay, cool. You know, like I, like th this is giving me some sort of permission to say 
these things no that shit. are on my mind. Yeah, yeah, 100%. 100%. I think that the song 1930, I was trying my hardest to write a early Planes Mistaken for Stars song, like a more melodic, you know? But I was wow. trying. That's where all, like, the heaviness comes from. And I was trying to, like, I don't think I did it. Like, I don't think I made it sound like that. But, like, all the, like, da-da-da-da and the weird stops and the timings that were in, like, the original demo, like, I was trying to just cop, you know, copper and stars. That's really the truth. Fuck yes. <laughs> I love that. Again, yeah. it's like this, uh, it's, I didn't think, I didn't even think of planes. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, no, nobody would though. I could see how nobody would really make that connection if I didn't tell them, but. And this is the only podcast stuff. to do that on. So you're, you're good. Yeah. Well, I never said, <laughs> said that before. So you'll get, you know, like, but yeah, th- this is like where it all came from. And I think that, you know, that kind of thing is. It's strange. It's strange, especially now to me. It's so strange when I would see people and how they perceive my writing and like my, my, like, especially Gaslight, like in the music, they, they, how they perceive it and where it really came from is so worlds apart. You know, like I would, I used to see articles and people would be like, yeah, they have like their beard. Like they would always say like whiskey soaked vocals and stuff like that. And I was like, dude, I've never drank ever, like ever. Like I've had, I think I've had a hundred beers in my life. Like never, you know, a whiskey soaked nothing. So I'm like, you know, like I was into like listening to this music that like, I don't think that people really understood where it all was coming from, but I certainly did not learn to write those lyrics because, you know, like I was totally into Bruce Springsteen. I love Bruce Springsteen, but, uh, but that did not give me permission to write. Like Bruce Springsteen seemed like me saying, I'm going to shoot a pop gun into the moon. Like that was like so far away. But when I sat down to write these lyrics, I was looking at like, I don't even know, like the bands at the time too, like Lucero. And then like, and then the, and then these bands that I grew up on planes and sunny day and all these bands that told these stories. Like when I was like talking about these things, a lot of it was coming from that secret stars record or the Gloria record, you know, and he's talking about like, I wasn't talking about cars because I like cars. I was talking about it because, you know, a lull in traffic is saying something I could understand. You know, like you're, you don't want to be alone at 35, like spending half what you make on your car and hating the drive. I was like, yeah, yes, that, that's what I want to say. You know, and that's like, it's so weird. I don't know. I've never, I've never had the chance to sort of make that connection. What, and it brings up another point and you kind of reference the, the hair on the face stuff. I think the perception of that if you did say that in an interview to an entertainment weekly or rolling stone there's going to be a snicker there's going to be a laugh because they're going to think of oh, right. the mid 2000s <laughs> not chris simpson not garrett from right. planes and i that's something that again that's the point of my website that's the point of my podcast that's the point of my books is that there's a bigger history than just what the mainstream media, and I'm not saying you guys were, I'm sure if you did a punk news article, they'd be all over it. Like they would get it, but you know, the, yeah, they when would you get, get to it, that certain sure. level there, if you say I made this song cause of the Gloria record, they're going to, they're going to laugh at yeah, first. I could see that. Well, because their, their limitation is that they, ex- they, they branded that stuff, which I honestly couldn't name one song from any of that era. Because I had disregarded that entire scene. Like, it, as, as just not, not like beneath me, but just that's not for me. Right. I was like, I, I see that going on over there. Like, I see everybody at the mall, you know, with the, the hair and the, the white belts and the studded. I was like, 
that's cool, but it's not for me. Yeah. So I'm just not into it. And, and so I just let it go by me like a passing train and it was fine. So I didn't ever, you know what I mean? Like I never would have thought of that, but you're right. Yeah. I could see that where somebody would be like, they still do that though. Like main, mainstream outlets, like real mainstream outlets, they, they don't get it. They it's haven't so, gotten it's it. It's hard, man. I mean, I get a, I've had a Google alert for email as long as they've had Google alerts. And I, sometimes my girlfriend will be like, why are you angry this morning? <laughs> Why are you like scowling? And I was like, yeah. nothing. And I'm not going to explain it, but it's because I looked at the Google alert and it's just like the most insane uses of the word across. And again, everyone can have their own thing. I just, I just wish they would maybe throw Jeremy Enig's name on there for once, or maybe, maybe mention that yeah. Guy uh, in Rites of Spring was uh, in Apex or uh, there's a new band called, you know, Foxing that does it just, they can't, it can't, it, they want the, they want the, they, I don't know. They want the candy. They, they, they don't want to like have some, like a meal. Well, I think they want the most culturally large reference point, especially right. for, you know, like if you post Jeremy Enoch on an article, like the, you know, for, I guess they're going for clicks now. That's not going to do, that's not going to bring too much traffic in. Right. You know, I don't think many people know who he is. And I'm like, in my stuff, like I, I got further into it where I was like, you know, listening to the fire theft and all the other bands too. And I was like, this, you know, a matter of fact, like I was just writing my last record and the, I was listening to the song heaven over and over and over again. Really? Because like it was, yeah. Like I was tweeting about it all the time. Funny though. I found like a lot of cool friends, like on, on Twitter by like, you know, like, like not friends, but like Twitter friends, like you totally. know, about this stuff. And it's, it's cool. So I, I thought another reference that I don't know if you've thought about, I'm sure you have was, for Gaslight, you know, 08, right before the downturn, you know, you have this record and people kind of find hope in it. There's something to hang on to. Similarly, your record came out, your most recent solo record came out sort of right after this insanity that we're in. And do you see any similarities? Obviously, it's a little tougher <laughs> to hang on to something to hold because of we're both still in it. Um, but... Do you remember that time in 08 into 09 and the 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 way that people were, I guess, I mean, again, it just sort of deflated a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that my intention was coming from anything to like, I, I don't know if I like saw it as like a reaction to what was going on, uh, but it just sort of that that seems just to happened. just be my my default, you know, of my personality. Like I'm always looking for something to be hopeful about and not to just get, get all down in the dumps all the time because that uh, doesn't, I don't find that personally that gets me anywhere. So, you know, for me, like I felt like a lot of this music was about like rising above things and, and, and sort of like em emoting these feelings to get over them though. I thought that that was the purpose of like, all this stuff was putting your feelings out so that they could be shared and could be out there instead of, you know, held in to fester. And that's what sort of I've tried to put in my music. And, you know, I hope that, that that's kind of what, what comes out. I love that because I've been saying someone's like, I always tell people emo is not sad to me. It's euphoric. There's not, yeah. I'm not sad at all. Listening to mineral. I'm not sad uh, no, it's either. more of like, I, uh, it's, it's excitement. So that's the other piece of it that you're getting that out. But the word again, the perception, um, 
is it's not like it's you're right i i this isn't down in the dumps this song is hopeful it's not sad right yeah that's what i think so i mean they try to you know internalize that and then put it out there put it give it back to people right um i wanted to mention i love the song vincent cool um the first line about jolene not liking the you know the name um <laughs> really really sweet yeah it's tongue in cheek <laughs> that's cute um so for you um with this music and stuff have you thought about um like you said we we talked about some of this stuff's being lost or some of this stuff um have you have you done a good job of collecting things or having um stuff from your career or do you just uh put it in a box and not not think about it no i'm the worst because i don't have anything like i do not i have i'm like the anti-souvenir person I, do, I don't think i own things from from last year much less like then how was it then doing the 10 year for uh the record was was that hard for you uh, yeah, cause like, I mean, it's, you're happy about the record and you're happy about what it means, but like doing it then is definitely more, I did it more for the, the, the audience for sure. Like I was happy about it, like that we did it. And I was like, I was happy about the record that it existed and that like, I'm still proud of the songs, but I'm not often one to look back only not because I think I'm beyond it, but just because it's not, it's really difficult to place yourself in somewhere where you once were, you know, I think that that is very difficult to do, um, for me. And, um, but it was fun to like do it and like let people like, you know, have people come see it and enjoy it. And and the fun part for me was seeing their enjoyment. So that, that was the part that I got out of it for myself. But like, I, I'm not, I'm just not like the kind of person who like, I don't need to like delve back into other records that I've done just because I don't know what there is that I could say now that would be better than what the record could say by itself, by just existing. You know what I mean? And I don't mean that in some kind of like weird pseudo intellectual way. I just literally mean like, I don't think I could capture the 59 sound better than the 59 sound. You know what I mean? (laughs) Right. Time and place. Yeah, totally. Yes, totally time and place. What has it been like? And I only have a couple more questions and I will let you go. What has it been like to be able to um, meet some of these guys from these bands that you were listening to? Like if it was you got to take out Jimmy World for a tour um, after listening to them. What was that like? Well, that was intimidating. Even though we were the ones headlining the shows, it was still intimidating because they're, they're Jimmy World. And I didn't feel that that was a hard one because I remember having like a big talk with everyone and kind of being like, are you sure that we should even ask them about this? Cause like, aren't they like a big band? And, um, I am certain that they've sold more records than us, but, uh, I don't know. Like I, they were down and like, we, we were playing, I mean, we were playing a big place. It was a huge place. Like the band before us was. Tom Petty, it was the night that that was the show before our. Oh, right. So it was crazy to be playing that place, but it was also weird to be like, this is a giant band and we're not like, I don't feel as accomplished as Jimmy world. Um, but they were really nice, always nice, very cool. They did awesome sets. I mean, I've been a fan of them for a long time. Um, 
I think most people are really cool. Some people are being are totally rotten. So, like, not everybody's nice, though. Like, right. I will say that in band, not in Jimmy Eat World. Everybody in Jimmy Eat World is very nice. But in, I mean, in other bands, like, there's some bands I've met where I'm just like, I hope I never hear you again. Like, right? You know, not everybody's cool. Like, and then that's the big question I think now is like, you know, how do you listen to music if you don't like the person or what they do? And I don't know. I can't answer that. But it's hard. Um, yeah, yeah. That, I think it's really hard. But like, some people are really good musicians and really like just kind of crabby people like not bad just crabby like and you know because if you meet somebody once and they're crabby you could be like all right cool but if you meet them like five times or ten times and they're like that then you're like maybe it's not, you're not into me mm-hmm. <laughs> so like i, I know mean, i have some this of it. i have this feeling of needing to be accepted like i need someone to like me and yeah. <laughs> so when that happens, it's like almost like double, like, oh, they're, they're a dick and they don't like me. I'm fucked. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's a tough, it's tough to, that's a tough scenario to be in. Um, like it, it, I feel the same way a lot of the time. So, you know, like I feel like I definitely felt that way. Like I can remember like walking down the hallway of the first venue, trying to meet Jimmy Eat World and being like whoa like i hope they like me because if they don't i'm gonna take it personally <laughs> amongst right. you know them you know but they they were they were really cool exactly that same feeling of like oh my god i hope i'm not completely you know a moron when i do this <laughs> yeah <laughs> well no, no, i think no, you're I mean, good. most people most people have been really cool like i remember i thought I, I remember thinking that leatherface would not be cool but they were cool they were really cool frankie was really nice right and um nice which is weird because I know that, that, that like, I don't know. They just come off as like rough and, and, but they were friendly. I was like, your band's great. I was like, it's the first time I've seen you live. And they were like, cool. Thanks. Like, cool. Later. <laughs> uh, I want to know which emo record you're going to listen to, um, for your next writing session. That's what I want to know. <laughs> um, well, <laughs> I've kidding. been, um, I, I was listening to, uh, the, the second foxing record i think it's the second one solid um, so yeah i've been listening to that a lot and then um yeah, that's great listen, like that's like the new thing that i've been like listening to that's like it's i've sort of like gravitated towards that i like that a lot and then the, and then the world is beautiful place uh, that nice. that band i like a lot their um harmlessness yes that record. great record yeah i like that record uh, lastly, is there any other bands that you think um, that you didn't get to talk about from that era that should have been bigger or uh, that you love or any other ones you're thinking of? You know, I'm surprised. The one thing, that, the one band that I've always been shocked that they didn't get huge was Piebald. I really thought that they like were killer, killer. Like they wrote pop songs and I can't believe that they didn't get big because it was during the same time that like Jimmy World got big and that kind of thing. And like, I really think that, that I, I'm just curious, like, how did they, like, how did Weezer happen and they didn't, you know, like, I don't know. They're just like, it's one of those bands that they're just like, okay, <laughs> okay, everyone. Right. I mean, it could have been the label, it could have been, you know, radio, oh, that whole bullshit. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's always something, but, you know, I don't know. It's, who can tell, you know, the fortunes of... Of, of, right. uh, of what will happen, right? Brian, I've taken 20 minutes longer than I said I would. Um, 
So I apologize for that. You have family things in life to do. Um, But thank you for taking the time to do this. And um, well, thank you very much, though. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was cool. It was good to talk to you.